That's 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the warehouse at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, it is the Mass and All Access Podcast. Paul Mancano, Bobby Blanco here with you. Of course, the Mass and All Access Podcast is brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today. We got a lot to talk about, particularly the Orioles signing shortstop Jose Iglesias and how that impacts the Orioles roster, how that impacts the infield, Brandon Hyde's lineup. All kind of ramifications from the O's getting their shortstop for the next year, maybe two. But first, you got to, uh, you already subscribe, I would assume, to the Mass and All Access podcast, but you should be reviewing, giving it five stars on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to us. Like it, comment along as you go. We are live on uh, Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. So wherever you can get us, um, do rate and subscribe and like. That's That stuff actually does matter. Bobby? Yes, we have gone with sweaters today. Yes, it was freezing today. Yeah, I woke up and it was twenty eight degrees. And yeah, I was like, Mm-mm. I was actually nervous because you have a great sweater collection. Thank you. I do. Mine is it's okay, but I was looking at all my sweaters. I was like, I'm pretty sure Paul has sweaters in all these colors as well. I was very nervous we were going to come in and be matching um, and to kind of be a little. Be a not awkward. odd, yeah, not odd to look at, but like a little jarring. Somebody's to gonna have to go home and change, right? Well, yeah. well, I was like, also, should I wear like an undershirt that I could take off my sweater just in yeah. case? It was a whole thing, uh, but glad you know you look great in well, blue. Th- thank you. Uh, it's purple, but uh, thanks. That is not purple. This is purple. Absolutely, How is that purple. Let's get the ladies of the room. This is absolutely purple. Blue, blue. Yeah. How no, is that purple? No, that is a. Maybe is, these lights are too. Indigo. Indigo? We're, we're getting indigo. I think this is all right. Is Comment indigo, along. Is if, indigo? If you're watching live, is that blue or purple? Is indigo purple or blue? <laughs> I know it's its own indigo. color, but what spectrum? Um, we will find out. That's not how you spell indigo. Wait, isn't color? Yeah. Oh, this is it's blue. Ugh. Indigo is blue. <laughs> but the, look at the, that. Looks purple. That does look purple. I, I will me, give I you that, but that better. doesn't. That looks. You know, this looks like your sweater, and that's blue. That is a more it's vibrant a, blue. It's a rich color between blue and violet. And violet You're turning is, violet, violet. <laughs> violet. You're turning violet. Uh, also, my girlfriend works for a men's clothing store, <laughs> and she will bring home, like, the stuff that they don't sell nice. because she just gets it for free. But I'm like, oh, this is great, you know, like, free clothes. But then I start to kind of realize kind of why maybe they had to get rid of it. Like, <laughs> I noticed one of the sweaters was just like a plain colored sweater, but it had like a weird, like lightly colored stripe that went across that was clearly not part of the design, but yeah. some manufacturing malfunction. Just it. So uh, I'm starting to wonder. So I have slightly off clothes, but they are free yeah. for the most part. This, this is, however, is not from that collection. Okay. Well, I would say if you wear them, I have never seen uh, anything wrong with your outfit. So thank you. If, you. if you're confident wearing them, I feel like that's, that's a bargain if you're getting them for free. I'm going to come in like Michael Scott where I'm wearing a women's jacket <laughs> with the, the buttons, buttons around the wrong side. side. Yeah. The shoulder pads. Yeah, you'll notice. And it fits, so sue me. <laughs> <laughs> I have um, like half a zipper. You'll this, see. This doesn't help our argument, but in this definition of indigo, it's a dark purplish blue. 
purplish blue. So it's blue though. It's but just purplish. Purple, purple. It, so one could see how I. It would basically think just that saying is, it's purple and blue. One could see how I would think that this is a purple. I'm not saying you're outrageous for thinking it's purple. I'm just saying you're wrong. I'm gonna look up the brand and the design of this sweater online. Yeah, they usually have like a color code on the tag. Yeah. You got to Google whatever that is. It's going to say indigo and we'll be right back where we started. Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. Um, Purplish blue. Comment along. Let us know what you think. Uh, so let's get to the baseball because the Orioles uh, dipped their toe into the free agency market. Didn't make a splash, but they went out and got somebody who I think... Yeah, um, they got in the pool. Yeah, I think it was um, a bigger signing than... I think most were expecting. I think it was a bigger signing than I was expecting, just in terms of the quality of player. Um, because Jose Iglesias is is not just a starter-caliber player on the Orioles, but I think he could be a starter-caliber player on other teams as well. He's a good, pretty good offensive player, and of course his specialty is defense. Yeah, and I think he's also kind of like a household name. It's not you. It's not a splash, but it's it's somebody. I think Orioles fans and baseball fans recognize the name. He's a former All-Star. He was a Rookie of the Year uh, runner-up in, back in 2013 uh, with the uh, with the Red Sox. Um, so, uh, wait, or Toronto. Yeah, he got traded that year. Yeah, Red Sox. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, he's, he's a household name. I think people recognize the name. He's a veteran. He, uh, he plays one of, if not the most important position on in definitely in the infield, maybe, maybe the entire baseball diamond. Um, so it, it's a great signing 30 years old. He's still very serviceable. still has plenty of years under his belt. Um, and, and can play, uh, well, it'll be interesting to see where Brandon Hyde slots him in the lineup. He could play probably at the top of the lineup or maybe even mid. He doesn't really bring that much power. Um, and he probably doesn't have the speed he once had when he first uh, entered the league. But, you know, he kind of fits the mold that the Orioles are hoping Richie Martin eventually fits. You know, they they see a future Jose Iglesias type in Richie Martin. So I think this signing, I mean, obviously it's for the major league club. It's for Brandon Hyde to have another major league caliber player on the roster, especially after you lose Jonathan VR or trade him away. Um, but... He's a guy that they're envisioning that can be a role model, a mentor for Richie Martin. We know he played the whole season up here at the Major League Club because of his Rule 5 status, no longer the case. can be optioned down to AAA. This allows Richie to not have to play shortstop every day for a Major League Club. Um, We know that there are some people within the organization, I'm in this camp as well, of that he played fairly good defense um, at shortstop, especially considering he was a rookie uh, on a Rule 5 pick playing well above his weight class, um, but there are also people in the organization that, and, and we know Brandon Hyde also really appreciated his availability every day at yeah. the plug-in at shortstop, but there are also people within the Orioles organization who didn't really like his metrics and defense at shortstop, so this allows him to maybe go down AAA, work on that for a full season, while Jose Iglesias fills in to that shortstop spot on the major league level, playing Major league caliber shortstop day in and day out. And I think it was interesting when we were talking at the end of the season about giving handing out Orioles awards. And the first thought, of course, for both of us was to go to Richie Martin because he he certainly passed the eye test. Yeah. But for whatever reason, the metrics weren't quite there. And that's something that Rockabaco has, has mentioned on the blog is that the, the Orioles, even internally, some are on in one camp that the eye test, uh, you know, he passed it and he's got solid defensive tools. And some are on the other side that say the, the metrics simply weren't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we know that the offense was not 
you know, he he hit a, about 200, and he certainly turned it on later on in the season, but not of a caliber starting shortstop it, it, on almost any other team, right. just just offensively. Right. Um, and that's not to say that he won't get there eventually, um, but this definitely gives them the option to push Richie Martin down to AAA um, and, and get him some everyday at-bats if they need to. If they don't think that he's quite ready, um, then they can definitely do that. So um, that, that signing kind of opens it up that way. And then every move that... Michael Elias makes it does he does so with an eye on the future. So, right. um, you know, he, while he plugs in in 2020, could he be a candidate that is if he's having a great first half of the year? Could he be a trained candidate in in July? Could they pick up his option for 2021, which was I think a, a nice move as well, adding that 2021 team option so that you know if you do trade him in July, you're selling it as you get a year and a half of this player if you want him. Yep. Um, and if if you don't trade him in July. You have him at the end of the year that you can pick up his option, trade him the next July. Yeah. So, the, you know, there is uh, that adds kind of flexibility. I think it was a smartly designed contract for that reason. Um, and I think it just, if you have that, if you have the, f- what was it, $3 million to spend, $4 million, you know, that is, that's an absolutely worth it signing um, for Michael Elias. Yeah, you have your major league shortstop. Again, it's a high value position in, in baseball. And you need not saying nothing against Richie Martin. Again, he was a rookie thrust into this role after being picked in the Rule Five draft. But now you have an established major league shortstop that you can count on, giving you hopefully stays healthy around 150 games. I think Jose Iglesias actually yeah 146, 146 games last year, last year yeah. for the Reds. That's consistency. I mean, he hits 288, so you know, well above what Richie Martin did. Again, hopefully Richie Martin's bat comes around in AAA. Uh, but that's closer to 300. That's, again, maybe leadoff type stuff from your shortstop or definitely higher in the lineup. Um, and, again, no longer the speed he once had. He never really was a speed guy. Most bases he stolen was 15 back in 2018. Um, has only gone over 10 one other time. But he's that kind of mold where you hopefully he gets on base more often than not, and then you have some of your power bats like a Trey Mancini, Hanzo Roberto, Rio Ruiz, whoever it may be. Um, driving him in later in the season. Well, it's interesting, though, because he did, with the Reds last year and previous to that, he hit lower on, he hit lower in the lineup as opposed to higher. He was a 6-7 mm. type hitter, um, even fifth at times. So um, you wonder if if Brandon Hyde is going to keep that or if he's, he's going to want to push him higher up in the lineup. His sprint speed has gone down last year. I mean, he stole those 15 bases two years ago. Um, and he stole just six last year. His, uh, according to Statcast, his his speed on the base paths is not quite there. Um, but still, what he contributes um, with his defense and and even some underrated offensive skill, I think, um, is still is still a big time upgrade. He hit two eighty eight last year. Doesn't strike out a whole lot. Doesn't walk a whole lot. Kind of like Hanser Alberto, three eighteen on base, four oh seven slugging with uh, eleven homers, which was a career high, and fifty nine RBIs. If you were to drop his stats on the 2019 Orioles, he would have been third in batting average, tied for fourth in RBIs, tied for fourth in doubles, and tied for second in triples. So when you talked about the the production that the Orioles lost offensively when they traded Jonathan VR away to the Marlins, you gained a lot of it back. Not the home runs and not the stolen bases, but you gained a consistent bat in the lineup, which you didn't quite, you, you know, you needed to replace when you traded VR away. 
Yeah, and then also, again, the defense. Uh, it's slotting at shortstop as opposed to second base, sometimes third, where VR was often most. I mean, he played, I think, a little at short past season, but not an everyday fixture. Here's your everyday fixture. Um, I've, I've, of course, Jonathan VR played 162 games last season. You don't need Jose Iglesias to do that. I, I, and we're also in the day and age of baseball where no player probably should be doing that anyways. It's a great accomplishment, but it's not necessary at this, you know, yeah. this age of baseball. So, yeah, Jose Iglesias fills that role in the infield nicely. Um, we know Michael Elias was, has been looking for that veteran infielder all off season. And like you said, uh, he plugs in really nicely with this with his lineup. Hopefully, kind of has another veteran presence in the clubhouse because we've talked about all the time, you know, Trey Mancini is the veteran leader in this clubhouse and he's still fairly young. Here's a guy that's kind of been there, done that. Um, obviously, I don't think he's ever played in the postseason, but he's been around for a handful of years since 2012, I believe, 2011. He did play in the postseason years ago, 2013. 2013. Okay, so he has postseason experience too. So kind of a guy for players to look up to, especially learn off of. Um, the defensive metrics are there, which you touched on yesterday on uh, Mass on All Access. Yeah, ninth in defensive runs saved, according to Fangraphs, in 2019. Seventh in ultimate zone rating and seventh in overall defense among shortstops. So he certainly is an above average uh, defensive uh, shortstop. And not only, you know, when, when we talked to Mike Rizzo, or we, we talked to Mike Elias, rather. So at, many mics. Too many mics. Um, at winter meetings in December... Elias made it clear he wanted to get somebody with a defensive-minded, you know, a defensive-minded veteran middle infielder, particularly for the pitchers. Right. Because anytime you have solid defense around the pitchers, their stats look better, their numbers look better, they get more confidence. And I know that, you know, they have FIP, they, they have fielding independent pitching. All of these stats are available to other GMs and they're available to fans, but... It still means something when a play is made in the field that should be made as opposed to an error. You know, yeah. anytime you have quality defensive players around your pitcher, it helps out your pitcher. Um, you know, and, and last year, the Orioles pitchers were bad, you know, overall, particularly in the bullpen, no denying that. But it certainly would have helped if they had had a little bit better of a defense behind, it, behind them. They were not a very good defensive team. Uh, you know, Richie Martin was fine. Hanser Alberto was a little bit above average. Rio Ruiz was fine at third. Um, VR was slightly below average. But beyond that, you know, they had some huge question marks in the outfield. Trey Mancini was in the outfield that he might be again this year, and that's not, you know, his ideal position. It wasn't until the second half of the year where you saw Austin Hayes in center. Um, you know, Richie was starting to play a little bit better in the infield. Hanser was starting to settle in. He wasn't being having to move to the outfield that you saw the defensive defense kind of uptick. And I think that just helps everybody around them. You yeah. know, it, it helps the pitchers. It And when you have a, qual, a, a an above average defensive shortstop, you know, that helps out your second baseman because they're, they're double plays that you might make that you might not have. And it helps it, out your pitchers because they're going to be a lot fewer guys on base than there would have been otherwise. Yeah, think about pitchers especially on this staff like how are you getting outs well you're probably giving up contact so you're looking for the guys behind you to record the outs right uh your job is to not give up too much solid contact especially also home runs keeping the ball in the yard so when you think about you know especially like era or in run, like stuff like that that in a sense it's kind of a team stat because you know it's not like they're striking out every single guy yeah it's a, it's a puzzle unless you're max scherzer cole garrett whoever it may be 
Garrett Cole. Um, Cole Garrett. Um, Two first names. Right. So, so yeah, the defense helped. And, and Michael Elias made that a point yesterday. He also showed that clip on Matt Tunnel Access yesterday as well that he's looking for defense to help out these young pitchers because, you know, they can't do it all on their own. They, you know, it's almost if you put a bad defense behind it, it makes it worse. They're going to lose their confidence. They're going to give up runs. And to have the shortstop that was ninth in defensive runs saved last season, that's going to help this team you would think ERA dramatically and then even go beyond the starting rotation. Look at the bullpen. The bullpen struggled mightily last year. It's probably not going to be that much better this year. You would hope that the defense behind them, especially in late close games, um, they get some out of, they are better at getting out of jams because they have better defenders behind them. Again, not a slight to Richie Martin, but Jose Iglesias is a proven major league shortstop. He, probably adds more outs than Richie Wood at this yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, it, the stat is literally defensive runs safe. Yeah, yeah. You know, you save runs. Yeah. Um, and that helps particularly with, um, as Elias said, it helps particularly with the young pitchers because they see those outs getting made. That helps mm-hmm. their confidence. But it also helps the older guys. If there are guys on this team that, you know, might be trade candidates um, come deadline time, if, you know, if Asher, Asher Wojciechowski maybe turns in a good first half of the year, if... You know, if John Means, if he turns out to be a trade candidate at some point. So there are guys, or, or you know, a, a Richard Bly or somebody like that. If if you have a good defensive shortstop, that helps his ERA, and he looks more attractive to other teams. Yeah. Um, so I looked up the three most, or four most, um, uh, defensive-minded, the best defensive shortstops last year in 2019, according to Fangraphs. Uh, Andrelton Simmons... With the Angels, uh-huh. Nick Ahmed with the Diamondbacks, Paul DeYoung with the Cardinals, and Javi Baez uh, with the Cubs. You know, f- just about in every defensive metric, defensive runs saved, ultimate zone rating, all that good stuff. They had the four best defensive stats. And each team had a lower actual batting average against than an expected batting average against. Now, the expected batting average against is kind of what, you know, given the amount of balls in play and given how hard these balls are hit, mm-hmm. what teams are likely to be giving up and, and what is expected just based on the stats. So essentially, these four players, and, and they are not, you know, one player doesn't make a defense, but having a quality defense up the middle helps make outs that might not exist on other teams. So the Orioles, for example, had a high batting average against, a 271 batting average against. But it was expected to be a lot lower because the defense was expected to make more outs out of balls that were it put in play. Right. So they were expected batting average against was 266. So that's a five-point difference. So that means that you know, uh, hitters on average are hitting five points better than they should because the defense is not making those plays. Right. But when you have a supreme defensive shortstop, that helps get fewer guys on base, you help make more plays, and you help get out of innings a whole lot faster than you would if you had a subpar defensive shortstop. Right, and then it's shortstop is nothing compared to, like, you know, it's, it's way more important than, like, a right fielder. Yeah, know, or first to, base. Right, or, yeah. so no offense to Trey Mancini or, who, or whoever's out in right field or the corner outfielders, but you would think that a major league caliber veteran shortstop could cover probably most, if not maybe all of that, like that five points in a batting average difference. So yeah, it's a huge factor. And, and again, that's why Michael Elias target was looking for a veteran infielder. One, he's said multiple times, help the young pitchers, bring those averages against down, bring those ERAs down 
Um, and then also help Richie Martin where the pressure's not on him to be the everyday shortstop right out the gate. Um, maybe learn some more, get his bat going at AAA. Um, yes, yeah, I don't think anyone is upset about, I mean, not that they would be, but I'm saying this is a good fit for both sides because, again, Jose Iglesias is now coming to a team where he can be the everyday starter, rejuvenate his career, become a trade piece, maybe go to a contender in July or the following July um, and, and go back to the postseason like he did earlier in his career. Um, so, yeah, it's it's it makes sense on all accounts and, and smart on Michael Elias, like you said, to add the, the options and then also looking at the metrics of it where like, hey, this guy was really good defensively. He comes at a relatively fair price. Let's just add him in right now for a year or two and see how much he improves this infield defense. Yeah, so now that he has been added to the fold, we can kind of start to squint and see the Orioles' starting lineup and their starting defense. Let's say you slot him into shortstop. Let's say, based on what we've heard from Elias and Hyde, Chris Davis is going to be your first baseman. Okay. I don't know entirely how many games he's going to play, but let's say right out of the gate he gets that job. Where do the other positions start to fill in? So I think you can assume Austin Hayes is going to be in center. You can Mm -hmm. assume a Trey Mancini at this point is probably going to be in right. Where else do you start to 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 fit guys? Do you uh, I think you put Heinzer Alberto at second? Yep, that would probably Jose be Jose Iglesias at short. Jose Iglesias at short. Rio Ruiz. Rio Ruiz probably at third, and then you still have Renato Nunez as your DH. DH, and then Santander or or Stevie Wilkerson in left. Yeah, I think I think at this point, probably Santander being starting at the gate. Just I think he had a higher volume of games last year. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Proved pretty well during, the, especially in the middle of the season. Right, got his own fan club. He did get his um, own fan club. Yeah, and catcher Severino. I think probably. I think it, you're looking at the same split unless they add somebody and they have been linked to Caleb Joseph apparently. According oh, to really? Rock, yeah. Um, oh, but it, I th- Caleb back. Yeah, but I think they're still looking at the same split with Cisco and um, Severino. Severino behind yeah. the plate. So um, you start to get. And, and when you look at that starting nine, I think it's slightly improved. Over well, the other year. thing, too, is with, with the uh, Iglesias, like, and, and we, just talked at, we just talked at length about why Michael Elias favored defense, but he didn't need to get an offensive shortstop at this yeah. time because look at all the names we just mentioned. Mancini, you would hope that Davis comes along. A li- I, mean, I mean, again, we say, I feel like we say this yeah. the past couple of years, he can only get better, yeah. go up, so Mancini, Davis is a power bat. Renato Nunez. Um, you hope Rio Reese has a pretty average year offensively. Um, maybe Austin Hayes takes that leap. Santander stays consistent. You don't need a juggernaut at short offensively. And you can slot. I mean, we just talked briefly about where to slot him in the lineup. Yeah, you could slot him in that six hole, like where he was with the Reds or Rich Martin was usually ninth or yeah, ninth or near the bottom of the lineup. They did not need this offensive juggernaut because they have offense. And we talked a lot last season how, like, it's not the offense that's keeping them out of game. It's the pitching and sometimes the defense. defense yeah. They can score runs at times. Um, that's never been the issue. It's more consistent defense and pitching. Um, so, again, they did not need to go get the best bat at short. They needed the best glove at short. And yeah. I feel like they got a fair price for that. Exactly. and, and For what they were looking for. While you lose a, a tick... From VR, you know, offensively. And Iglesias is probably a bump from what you had in Richie Martin. Right. Or whoever exactly. was platooning at short. Exactly. And I think 
give a given a full year of Austin Hazen center. Mm-hmm. I think that's certainly a tick defensively and maybe a tick off uh, up offensively. So it seems like they are just slightly better to right out of the gate. If this is the starting lineup that they go with, mm-hmm. um, than they would be last year. The pitching starting pitching might not be there. Um, it, it probably is a tick worse given yeah. that, you know, at this point last year they had Andrew Kashner and uh, they had Dylan Bundy on the roster. Supposedly a healthy Alex Cobb. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think the lineup is pretty much right where it was last year to start last year, maybe a little bit better. Yeah, um, I, would, I would agree. Yeah, uh, but then I think it, it, it gets interesting when you look further down the line throughout the season because, you know, if, if we see a Ryan Mountcastle have a great spring training, if he starts out the year great in Norfolk, he might push for a starting spot where he could fit in. Um, you know, would they have to um, make him a DH to start? Would they be able to fit him in the field somewhere? That can get interesting. So I think it's it's going to be a slightly better or just as good, I think, maybe offensive team this year as there was last year. Yeah, and for those people who are probably saying, well, they can only go up. Well, yeah, I mean, look at where this team is. Look at where this organization is. This, that's no surprise for us. And and to see a gradual increase year by year is a good thing and see improvements year by year is a good thing especially from these young players um i think the ryan mahacastle is definitely going to play a huge factor into how this lineup shakes out throughout the course of the season and where they position because if he does come up and doesn't have the glove to play consistently at third base or wherever they want to put him or first base because then you don't want like you know let's say that chris davis figures it out and is having a okay season to start um you can't take and and also he has a very good glove at first base. I think that goes underrated because people yeah. look at the offensive numbers and don't realize how good defensively he is at first. He's the best defensive first baseman they have on this roster. So, I mean, we just mentioned how not valuable the first baseman is compared to a shortstop defensively, but still, you want your best gloves yeah. out there at all times. Um, then you can't take away at-bats from Trey Mancini, um, whether that be in right or first or designated hitter. What if Renato Nunez is then you kind of slot him at third uh, and you and he have to play him in the infield as opposed to the DH? Is that a drop off defensively from Rio Ruiz? Probably. But then you have your best bats in the lineup at least. So it's going to be interesting to see how this guy kind of shakes out. Again, there's going to be a lot. We're going to, I mean, they broke the record for players used last season, um, the franchise record. They used so many different players, brought up so many different guys. And the way that the farm system improved last season, I expect that to be the same this year, kind of in that trend of using, what was it, like almost 60 guys over the course of the season, which yeah. is just so many players. But in a rebuilding team like the Orioles, that's kind of a good thing. You're giving everyone a shot. You're seeing who who can play at this level, who has promise. Um, and the outfield's going to be interesting, too, to see if these guys can – like Austin Hayes in particular, like I, I, I would agree that I would slot him as your starting center fielder out the gate, but can he play consistently throughout the course? Of, yeah, can he, he stay healthy? Is a that's true? That yeah, that's an. I mean, the way he plays, probably not. I mean, he plays just <laughs> with his hair on fire, running yeah. into walls and stuff like that, which is great, which is fantastic, but it's also risky. So, can he stay healthy? Can he stay productive both at the plate and defensively? Can he keep that step? He's a young guy, but again, he's not always healthy. Um, it's, it's gonna be a lot of question marks, and and. Figuring out the best lineup day in and day out, both offensively and obviously they're going to be stressing defense this season too. It's going to be interesting how it shakes out. But Iglesias helps kind of figure out that mold. Yes, it 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 solves a lot of issues with one kind of sign. It's, it's like, I mean, we talk about on the national side of the podcast, the dominoes because they're high in free agency. But 
Iglesias, his domino falling right here helps others in terms of Brandon Hyde's filling out the lineup kind of fall into place. Yeah. Because he's got shortstop figured out. Now you know you don't need Rio Ruiz there or, or whoever. I mean, I don't know. who Richie, Keeping Richie Martin again for another season, you kind of can fill out their spots because now you have one definite at a, at a high-level level. Uh, uh, position exactly comment also that we're getting live from uh, Robert Sullivan asking about uh, Yosniel Diaz and he said kind of a shame that Chris Davis is blocking Diaz I would say Davis if anything is blocking Mountcastle because mm-hmm. you, you know if you didn't have Davis you might put Mancini at first and have maybe a Mountcastle in the outfield as opposed to he's saying Davis is blocking Diaz but the other thing with Diaz is um, you know when they traded for him in the Manny Machado trade years ago, or a year and a half ago at this point, um, you know, they saw the tools, but he is far from a finished product. And, uh, you know, he he definitely, I think, has a very much still the ability to factor long-term into the Orioles. But I think at this point, he still is working on his game, and he still needs to get things together. We saw flashes of it, especially in the second half of the year last year with Bowie. Um, but he needs to improve his defense. I don't think they want to, similar to Mount Castle, I don't think they want to bring up a Yosniel Diaz just for him to DH. I think they want to see if he can f- stick in the outfield before they bring him up. So I think that's an interesting way to go with this as well. But there, there are guys. There are guys that are going to be pushing for big league spots in 2020, um, and they're just going to have to find room for them. Yeah, in terms of Diaz too, I, I don't think he's there yet. I mean, yeah, I don't, he, I don't think I, he is I think either. we would have seen him last season if he was... Close to breaking or at least, through. Yeah, or at least come up to Norfolk or something. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't breaking through double-A Bowie. And, and even at Bowie, I mean, we, we spent a lot of time at Bowie last season, especially because they made the postseason. Um, but, you know, he hasn't shown that he is ready for that. I, I don't think he's being blocked by anyone. I think it's just more of a matter that he is not ready and not there yet, and they don't want to just force him up here just to force him up here. They, he is uh, one of their highly touted prospects at this point be, from the Manny Machado trade. You might as well bring him along slowly and not rush him up there. There's no point in rushing him up here at this point. I mean, yeah. what, what what need do they have for another outfielder in the major league level? I mean, they've got plenty right now, plenty of young guys who have proven that they can maybe, you know, kind of punch above their weight right. class up here. Somebody also bringing up Chris Richard saying Rylan Bannon is a sleeper. That's another interesting guy as well because he's an infielder who's a little bit versatile. Um, kind of one of the underrated guys that they brought back in those midseason deals in 2018. Um, Bannon's offensive numbers have not been outstanding, um, but the fact that he is versatile defensively, um, I think he could potentially. He would. I think he would have to have a strong start to the season um, this, in 2020, um, maybe a good spring training, um, but certainly a candidate to maybe come up mid-year if he's having a good first half of the year. Yeah, and and versatility yes. plays a, plays a big factor. We know that Brandon High loves those kind of guys. Um, Definitely a good defensive option, but like you said, I don't know if the bat might be there right there. Yeah, and then one more comment coming from Beth Kirky about um, Matt Wieters in a potential reunion. Um, That's an interesting name because we've also heard Caleb Joseph's Joseph's name being thrown out there. Connected to a different regime. Same team, you know, but they're... Mm. Same with Caleb Joseph, more connected to the Dan Duquette-era Orioles than the Michael Elias-era Orioles. Way before them. Yeah. But if they are looking to still make an upgrade at catcher um, just for the one year, I think those two guys are out there. Um, similar to, you know, how a shortstop helps the pitchers, a catcher also helps the pitchers. Absolutely. And in that way. Yeah. And uh, well, we've seen Matt Wieters 
work with some of the better Orioles staffs that they've had over the past decade plus, um, those four years of making the postseason, 12, 14, and 16. Um, and obviously he spent two years in D.C. and catching a really good staff over there. The only thing with and, and love Matt Wieters, you know, he was probably – one of the first faces of the turnaround for this franchise yes. in the late 2000s. Um, and then, of course, those playoff years. But we covered him for those couple years in D.C. And I think the one thing that this regime and Michael Elias and Sigma Dell aren't going to like about him are his metrics. I don't think they, they're he's just he's never been that kind of catcher. He's been a great power catcher. He's been a great clubhouse guy and leader. Um, I think he's going to be a fantastic manager one of these days. Um, down the line, but I don't think they're going to like his metrics behind the plate or even at the plate batting at this point in his career. He's not the same guy. No, definitely not. I mean, he's suffered a bunch of injuries. You know, he's. I, I, I think it's kind of like uh, who am I? Who do I compare him to? But he, it's not. It's not his fault. I think no. he plays a position he's too big for. Yeah, he's like six three playing catcher. So like, I just don't think his body contorts like that anymore. Um, he, you know, he had a pretty solid season in St. Louis but also backing up one of the greatest catchers of all time in Yadier Molina. Uh, I, I don't see this front office. That, it'd be a great story. Love to see him back in an Orioles uniform before he retires. That'd be great. Um, and he could mentor Austin Wins, Chancisco, Pedro Severino. But I don't think they would bring him on to be a player based on, you know, he, he's just not the same player. Right. Uh, we did see the team last year sign a Jesus Sucre. That didn't work out, but I could see them very much going in the same way, a minor league deal for a guy who has a little bit of major league experience just to help mentor, you know, a Pedro Severino, a, um, a Chan Cisco. And, uh, you know, eventually I still don't think we're going to see an Adley Rutschman in 2020, no. but, um, That's... 2021, I think is very much probably at this point, you look at it, assuming everything goes right in 2020, the target year is 2021 for Adley. Well, how about that for a story if you bring back Matt readers in like a coaching role and like <laughs> the last big catcher you drafted in the first round now yeah. coaching your number one overall draft pick catcher yeah I mean I love the idea of of readers being a manager someday I think yeah. he would be an outstanding man absolutely and, and they say that catchers sometimes make the best managers because they're in charge of the whole game as players uh, especially defensively so they kind of know the ins and outs of that so yeah that'd be that'd be <laughs> I'm getting kind of giddy thinking about it that'd be just like <laughs> such like so many like Heartwarming. Flashback, yeah, very heartwarming. So many, like, nostalgic almost. Like, yeah. flashback memories of Matt Wieters, his debut, all those great years he had here with the Orioles and the Gold Gloves, the awards, the All-Stars, and then training basically, you know, his, pro you know, the future him. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be interesting. Of course, we made Eric Arditi very happy by just mentioning Adley Rush. There he goes. Um, all right, let us know what you think of the Jose Iglesias signing, what that does for the Orioles infield. Um, and where he could slot into the Orioles lineup and Brandon Hyde's lineup. I'm sure Brandon Hyde was very happy to see that they brought him along. Let us know in the comments. Of course, you can catch the Mass and All Access podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you can get podcasts, you can get the Mass and All Access podcast. Remember to rate, subscribe, five stars, all that good stuff. He's at Bobby underscore Blanco on Twitter. I'm at Paul Mancano on Twitter. Thank you to Amy Jennings, our producer. Of course, the Mass and All Access podcast is brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today. We'll see you later. <laughs>